Welcome to another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm your host, Jamie Spicer, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Jennifer Spicer. And today we're going to talk about when you're looking for personal trainers, this is part one, actually, of a series we're going to do, but this one's going to be about trainers and nutrition. When you're out there looking for them, be careful um, of who you're following, what you're following, question what they're doing, why they're able to do it, and going to be the same thing with injectors yes uh aesthetic providers because the biggest thing that both jamie and i see and we worry about when it comes to everyone that's looking for a personal trainer someone to do nutrition someone to do their aesthetic procedures is that there is a big gray area in all of these specialties where someone could have the right credentialing but not really have the right education that's going to provide safe and effective or even quality services um, but then also how people portray themselves. And, and Jamie, like since we're starting with personal training, one of the biggest things that I see in your specialty is, you know, someone that just did a bodybuilding competition and now they're writing nutrition plans for someone because they look a certain way. So they draw an audience, but they that person doesn't have a clue what they're doing or things like that. And I know with training, um, the their certifications can vary, you know, so maybe if you could tell people what to look for when they're interviewing a personal trainer and things to ask, because sometimes you might know the didactic or the science, but you might not be able to apply it. Right. I think you kind of nailed it right there. You know, just because someone holds a degree in kinesiology, physical science, or whether they have a a training degree through ISSA, through NASM, through ACE, doesn't mean that they're going to be an exceptional trainer. Um, They're only as good as the knowledge that they can relate to the client. Um, If they're only able to recite the knowledge that they read through the book, but they can't apply it to the client. They're not going to be a very good trainer. And typically those are the trainers that I've worked with in the past that do not understand why the typical, what they would call meathead looking trainer has a book, bigger book of business than what they do because they have the degree. Of course, they think they have the knowledge, but their book is lagging compared to the other person. And what they fail to realize is one perceptions, everything, you know, um, Unfortunately, people are going to go towards the people that look like they're in shape. And this is kind of what I'm getting at when we first open up is just because someone looks like they're in shape doesn't mean they actually know what the hell they're talking about. Um, you know, they could have taken what, like you said, taken one of my plans that they wrote nutrition for an exercise plan. And now they're selling that to other people because, of course, they're getting in shape following my advice. But they have no idea of the understanding or the inner workings of why I'm doing what I'm doing why I'm pairing a particular meal plan with a particular uh, training and cardio program. They just know that it worked for them and they think it's going to work for everybody, which is not the case, which is another part of when looking at a personal trainer is if they are just a one size fit all model, I'd really question working out with that person. Yeah. And I also feel like, you know, a lot of people go off of social media. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse. You see lots of before and afters, lots of videos, lots of things. Well, one, we all know that some of those pictures are edited. Um, there's actually been personal trainers getting called out for editing their own photos. And so just be careful. Um, there's also issues that I see where personal trainers are kind of going on and showboating and doing exercises that are 
not correct. And then it kind of almost gives false pretense to someone else that they should be able to do these exercises and it can cause serious physical harm. It's not just, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, it is a, the form, you know, is the form correct? And, and someone who's not knowledgeable on, on biomechanics of a movement probably won't pick that up. So they just see this person lifting this mass amount of weight and they think it's very impressive. And so they're going to go and try to do it regardless of the form or not. And the person even showing it has terrible form. Here's the big side of it too, though, is, is that person on steroids? Right. Because unfortunately in this industry, a lot of people are, and, you know, even, you know, the big thing right now is the liver King got called out um, you know, because he denied being on steroids forever. And my position on that is, if you're going to do them, do them. That's fine. Just educate people what you're doing. Because here's my thing with it is, was his diet part of it? Yes. Was his supplementation part of it? Yes. I agree that did help enhance his ability to get in the kind of the shape he is. But the big part that I had an issue with is the way that he trains is impossible to do for a normal individual. And the only way he was capable of doing that was from the steroids that he was using but more importantly, the amount of growth hormone and IGF-1 that he was doing. So here, someone that's 100% natural is going to go out and try to train like the liver king, and they're doing so much damage to their body. They're going to, it's not if, it's when will they get hurt, and then the damage that's irreplaceable beyond that. Well, and you bring up a good point. We talked about this in another episode a few episodes ago about social media and um, I think we brought up the Kardashians even, and Mm -hmm. if we didn't, I'm going to bring it up again because- the biggest thing is, is not all that glitters is gold. A lot of things are smoke and mirrors. I don't care what anybody chooses to do with their life. But what I do care about is when you're disingenuous about it to the detriment of someone that trusts you or the detriment of other people that think that they should be living up to this standard. Again, I don't care. I do not judge. And it's your business, but don't give false a false pretense to how you got to where you got, like it's, it's actually doable. There are some people that are genetically insanely gifted, but that's rare. Right. And, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. That's the biggest issue that I have with our industries and just kind of the deception that can, that can happen. Right. Because all that people think that they want is comments and likes and follows and clients. And they kind of lose sight of the moral compass. Right. You know, in in training, you know, there are seven different principles of training and not one really agrees with the other. They all honestly kind of contradict each other, but they all have their place. And, you know, like the way that we train our clients, we use a periodization cycle that kind of utilizes all platforms. That way, no matter who we train, we're utilizing fast twitch and slow twitch muscle group fibers. That way that person can be strong right out of the hole, but they can also go play with their kids that they're not training so one dimensional that they shorten their muscle fibers up from heavy lifting and everything. And they lose their range of motion. They end up getting hurt pulling a hamstring because they went and chased their kid. Um, you know, that's just one, one part of the equation. That's why I was saying if, if you're interviewing, if you're not interviewing your trainers, first and foremost, I would highly recommend that you start there. And I would ask them, what is their training belief? What is their training philosophy? Are they one-dimensional? And that's fine. They're one-dimensional trainers have their place. You know, what I mean by one-dimensional, if there's a trainer who specializes in training people for a marathon and that's what you want to do do is run a marathon, that's your go-to guy. Um, 
if you're if you're wanting to train for a strongman competition and that's what they specialize that's your guy but if you are just someone who's trying to go to the gym and trying to get in better shape and and i'm not picking on crossfit when i say this but i'm, I'm going to say it because here's the reality is for every piss poor crossfit facility that's out there there's also piss poor trainers so the facility is as good as a person but my point being is if you're someone that has a herniated disc, has hip mobility issues, shoulder and shoulder impingements, then CrossFit and doing the way they do is probably not going to be good for you because it's going to be, it's a matter of time when you get hurt. You're going to need a trainer that can work around those issues that can adjust with you and your goals. Well, okay. So let me back that up. So number one was what are their belief styles and training? Well, yeah. What are their belief style and training? You know, so like for me right. and Jake and with Joey, you know, like I've passed on my knowledge to these guys that we can train anybody, right? Now, that does that mean that we're great at every area of training? No. Do I know how to train someone for a marathon? Yes. Am I an expert at that? No. Um, my specialty is at more of in sports and bodybuilding, body transformations. That's my niche in this. But I can also work with someone who's 600 pounds and needs to lose 400 pounds, well, which I've done. And I've helped him accomplish walking a 5K every year and doing a half marathon. Well, and that's just it. Also, one, having self-awareness of what lane you're supposed to be in. So, you know, if your specialty is, if you know what your specialty is, that's great. You don't have to have every single client. There are different people for different situations. Um, number two, I would be, I would want to know what your number two would be. Like, do you want, should they have a full body assessment? Should you watch how someone's walking and all that before? Because you bring up the CrossFit, right? And you're talking about shoulder impingements. I can't think of a single person over the age of probably 35 years old that doesn't have some sort of tightness in some area, you know, from sitting or from working at a computer. I mean, most people have impingements. Right. You know, I think the, the, the answer people are going to expect me to say is look at their degrees or their certifications. And honestly, like I said, the degrees and certifications are about as good as a piece of paper they're written on. So my thing, the second thing we go to is ask for referrals, like client referrals, people they could speak to that they've worked with, or testimonials that they have on the wall or in a book or on a binder, um, or you know, follow them on their social media page. Or like what we do is we offer a complimentary session and we bring them in. We put them through a training session because we want to make sure not only are, are we a good fit for them, but are they going to be a good fit for us? Mm -hmm. You know, that that's a big side of that part of it is, you know, is it is it going to be a mutual, mutual for both of us to be working together? Because even though we might be really good for them, you know, they, they might not like the way we do or vice versa, um, which is very rare, but it, it does happen. And then what about, like I said, like a consultation where you're assessing the patient, like, do you go through before you get started? Like, what would be a warning sign if I went in and I decided to go train with this trainer and say, I did ask about their beliefs and training styles and I liked it. I did ask for referrals or testimonials. What would be the next red flag that I should look for? They did. They, they just throw you on the workout floor, put you through a training session. They don't ask if you have any prior, what your prior health okay. history is. Um, do you have any injuries? Um, you know, like even with our clients, even though we've been working with them for years, we still ask, hey, is there anything new we need to know about? Like, did, did you injure yourself that, you know, and you haven't told me about it? Uh, maybe they maybe they fell and busted their hip ice skating or something over the weekend. And that's something we need to know. Um, we, we always add in there, too. 
is I at least I know I ask all the time is when's the last time you ate? Because okay. that's really big for me because you know, if you've come in and it's five in the afternoon, you haven't eaten all day and I'm going to blast you with a leg workout. And within 10 minutes, you're going hypo on us. And if you're underhydrated, then your blood sugar is dropping. Then you're going to pass out on me. And then I'm I'm scrambling to figure out what's going on. And I have no idea to where if you come in, it's five in the afternoon. You've had no food and very little water. I'm going to be honest. I'm probably going to send you home because you're not you're not prepared for the training session. Well, and you know, it just made me think of this story that you've told about your one client and thank God you actually do think things through because I could see that going a million other ways and very badly. Actually, I should just say one other way that would be fatal. I don't know if you want to tell them about that story. Yes. So this is years ago. This is probably going back to 2006. But, I, you know, I, when I start a workout with a client, I, I, no matter who you are, no matter how long you've been working out, you know, I do a full body because I want to see the body in motion. Now, I understand there's some practitioners, some trainers out there that will spend an hour doing measurements and doing everything like that. And, and I'm not disagreeing with that method. I'm just saying from a from a sales from a sales point of working in this business for 21 years, people pay, you know, they're already trying to figure out why and how they can afford personal training and then to spend 65, 75 hours for an assessment that gives them no benefit at that time, at least what they think is no benefit at that time because you know we're all about immediate results i just think it's a turnoff to a client which again measuring against the wall is not going to show you how they move so i put everybody basically through a full body workout from the very beginning no matter what your experience is and i watch you move and i watch you go through a basic squat a basic lunge a basic pull up or a basic pull down what are the two just some basic movements to see what your form's like and where your knowledge is at and then i know how i can start to critique and structure your program and what needs to be worked on. At the same time, I'm looking for muscle imbalances and I'm looking for mobility issues as you go through these range of motions. And I know know what your strengths are and what your limitations are. And I can structure and gear a, a training program towards that person specifically. So that's kind of where we start with our clients with that stuff is start basic. And then we, again, if you, if you demonstrate all those really well, then we kind of put you in, say, you know, a level three tier, which means you're ready to go on some pretty sophisticated workouts. But going back to what you're talking about, the reason why I do that, because if I didn't do that process, I never would have caught this client's issues, which is I start everybody out full body, but I start with upper body first and lower body is last because legs expend the most amount of energy and use the most amount of oxygen. So we're going through to the full body workout. We're about 40 minutes in and we start going into lower body movements, just body weight squats. And next thing I know, he's getting um, really fatigued, lightheaded, and I had to put him on his back to get his blood pressure back up. It took about five minutes for it to happen. And I was like, that's that's not normal, uh, especially since he went through a full upper body workout and was going back and forth with 30 second rest. Everything was fine. So I figured maybe it was just too far into the workout. Um, so sent him home, had him come back two days later. This time we ensured that he ate. I had some Gatorade with him with a little glucose going into him to make sure this didn't happen again. And as soon as we got back into body weight lunges this time, same thing, a couple reps in, lightheadedness came back, came back and forth. So I told him because he had a family history of, of, of heart disease, his dad died before he was 50. His dad, dad passed before he was 50 and his great grandpa passed before they were 50. 
So I told him that I would not train him again until he went to his cardiologist and got cleared. Well, he went three days afterwards and then he called me and said, hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm on um, on my way to an emergency surgery. Um, they're going to put three stints in that my cardiologist basically said that I was a walking time bomb and you basically just saved my life. That's incredible. So again, I have goosebumps. <laughs> there, there's reasons why we do here at Precision. There's a very particular way we do things and there's a reason why we do it. And it's uniform across the board, no matter who you train with. Um, you know, again, when you when you interview and train trainers, you know, ask for stories like that. Um, you know, that's a huge testimonial that I share. Um, I probably should share it more often, but you know, there's a there's a there's a madness behind what I do. Um, but there's a particular well, reason why I do it. And that's the thing. That's the reason why I asked. I mean, obviously, I'm partial, but I like the more intimate training session. But I just think about like, what if that guy had been, and again, nothing against classes. We do a, a yoga class that I have often thought several times in there. I'm like, I hope no one drops in here and, and God forbid, like, I, I don't want to jinx that at all, but you know, you don't know. And I know that where we go for yoga, they would have what they needed to fix it. But at the same time, like if you have a trainer that's training too many people at one time, or they're just pushing you and pushing you and pushing you, you know, again, there is a place for that, but you've got to make sure that you're not being irresponsible with your own health because you feel like you have to live up to what this trainer's expectation is. Otherwise, you could end up really hurt. I really feel like, like let's repeat. So number one would be what are your beliefs and training styles? Number two is ask for referrals or testimonials or check out their social media page or all three. Three, medical and health history. They need to be asking that. The trainer also needs to be asking you about your hydration and food intake and ask for their story as a trainer. Right. Do you have anything else that you would suggest? I, you know, I don't know if it suggests just things to kind of watch out for. Again, you know, if you follow me, very rarely do I ever put up my personal workouts. Again, reason being is I don't think anybody really wants to see my workout because, you know, and my belief system is, is clients expect me to be in shape. I am a trainer. Again, going back to that analogy, that not analogy, but that what I had said from the beginning about the guy with the degrees, with the kinesiology and physical uh, science degrees that has a smaller book of business than the meathead guy that maybe had a sports background, but has a huge book of business because perception is everything. So perception is I should be in shape. I should know what I'm doing. I think what clients watch more is how am I, who am I helping and how am I helping them and watching my client's transformation, not mine, because there's an expectation of not only what I put on myself because I hold myself at a very high standard, but also, you know, it's expected of me to be that way. So again, watching their transformations and what they do for clients, I think is, is a big thing of it. Um, and you know, if you're watching someone and they come in and they're shredded and they look like they might be in gear, you know, just, you know, and they're trying to push you and saying that, you know, this, maybe just flat out ask them like, Hey, you know, are we at an unfair playing advantage here? Like what's going on here? Like, I don't know if any trainer would honestly come up with it. You know, I tell clients at 49, I am on testosterone therapy. I have done stuff in the past. So, you know, I always get asked, like, how do I get that get to look like you? And I'm like, well, 
spend 30 plus years in the gym and then being on testosterone and stuff over the years has definitely helped me become the version of myself. But also a big part of it is my genetics. You know, my well, family yeah. is a little, you know, my mom's 5'11", my dad's 6'1". We're yeah, broad-shouldered, big family. Your dad's huge. Right. So, I mean, that genetics is a big part of it, but just well, question and interview your, your your trainers and your nutrition people. The one thing I do want to say, though, is something you've always taught me because even when I was competing, you know, I had to work at it, but you can be taking steroids and that doesn't mean that you still have to train. You still have to eat right. But really where it comes down to is like you said, there are other black market steroids that will help lubricate the joints that will help, mm. you know, it, it could be more than just testosterone that someone's taking. Right. And same with nutrition, you know, you've got to be careful with who's writing your nutrition plans because they could also not know what they're doing. Um, and you could get really hurt. And it could just be selling you somebody else's diet that they're paying for. Yeah. And that's <clears> happened. <throat> So we'll post the red flags and the questions in the comments of this podcast so yep. people can use it as a guide. But are you, can you think of anything else? I, I think that's really the biggest part of it. Again, you know, like I said, you know, don't be leery of who you're following, be leery of what they're doing. If it looks a little extreme, whatever, then, you know, ask questions on how they're able to train at that level, recover at that level. Again, like I said, going back and kind of repeating myself here, but, you know, ask them what their training philosophies are. You know, are they, do they train one particular way or can they train multiple different, different ways and just kind of get yourself educated um, by sessions small. Like, you know, we're always an advocate of maybe by two to four sessions. And then once we get the client's confidence um, with us, then they can buy bigger packages. Then that way, the client doesn't get leery about, oh, my God, I invested all this money in these sessions. I don't even know if I like this trainer. So for me, whether you buy one or two sessions up front and we gain your trust and then you're with us for two years or or whether you, you try to sell someone a six-month package up front, I just think it's easier to build the confidence with a smaller package and then have them buy what they want afterwards. Yeah. Well, like you said, trial probationary period to make sure it's the right fit because right. it is a – it's a marathon, not a race, you right. know, and whoever you decide to use for a trainer or a nutritionist, you need to accept that they might also be doing the best they can with you. It did not take, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight where you get out of shape and it's not going to happen overnight where you get back into shape. So a lot of times I think people, you know, the pain point has to be so bad for them to finally take us. It's a scary, intimidating mm -hmm. step. So be patient at the same time. I guess the one thing I will throw at this is I've never been one to jump on the bandwagon of the latest fads. Yeah. Like to me, things like nine rounds and F45 and they, they come and go. Um, for me, I'm a basics, basic guy. I am, I'm, I go back to the basics, a basic squat, a basic lunge, a basic, basic movements, rolling movements, stuff like that. Now you can, bring different ways in. Like if you want to, you know, squat with a BOSU ball, if you want to do, you know, kettlebells, you want to add that stuff in that also brings excitement and new forms of work working out. But still, in my opinion, you always got to go back to the basics, which is again, repeating, which is why we run a periodization cycle. Each week is different. We have push pull weeks, force failure weeks, um, uh, force failures. Uh, trying to think here. Rest, pause, just German volume, um, negatives. We use we use all of them in mm -hmm. our techniques. You know, 
the 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 squat each week will be will be different with the angle and with the rep scheme. Yeah. So, but well, that concludes this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned for part two when we get into the aesthetic side and what to look for in that. And that's going to be Jen's wheelhouse. So I'll be interviewing her and asking her questions. <laughs> well, yes. So yes, just be careful with who you choose out there. Um, go a little bit deeper than just what's on the surface. And please be careful when you're choosing your personal trainer and nutritionist and just always remember to follow your gut. All right. This is another episode of Younger by the Minute. I'm Jamie Spicer. And, and I'm Jennifer Spicer. And we appreciate you tuning in and listening. <laughs>